This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. I want to thank Pastor Thurman for the privilege of coming back to this church that I love so very much. I rejoice with you in what the Spirit of God is doing in this congregation. There's so many evidences of God's grace and blessing, and I know that your heart rejoices in that with me. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. The theme of the epistle to the Romans is salvation. In fact, that's the story of the whole Bible. Man's rebellion, sin and ruin, God's love and provision of salvation in Jesus Christ. But we find in the book of Romans, as well as the whole Bible, that salvation is much more than just being saved to go to heaven. Look at these verses in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That aspect of salvation is known as justification. It is a statement of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. This aspect of salvation is in the past. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That statement refers to present salvation. It's called sanctification in the Bible. This is what God has done through us in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's a process. It's continuing salvation. And then Paul says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is glorification. It's in the future. It's what God is going to do to the world and to us in the end times. Emil Bruner, a great theologian of past years, once said, to be a Christian is to participate in something that has happened, that is happening, and that will happen. And so the Bible message of salvation includes much more 
than just being justified at going to heaven when you die. Salvation includes the continuing work of the Lord God in our lives after we have first accepted Jesus. And what is going to happen in the end times when Christ comes again? Well, let's look for a few moments at this matter of justification. Over there in uh, verse 9, Paul says, Since we have now been justified by His blood, referring, of course, to the death of Christ on the cross, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him. We enjoy looking at the television program, The Price is Right. You ever see that? Well, I like that title because it refers also to what Jesus Christ did for us. When He took our sin and died on the cross, and cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then it is finished. Jesus was paying the price, the right price, the perfect price for our salvation. And we don't have to bargain for it. We don't have to guess whether we're going to get it or not. But the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths, we will be saved. Back in the mountains of North Carolina in past years, there was a one-room schoolhouse. And in that little village was a boy by the name of Bernard Maynard. He was a smart-alecky kind of kid. And it was his purpose to run off every teacher that came to that school. A new teacher came one year, and he came up with the idea of giving the answers in a scratchy writing sometimes upside down, other times in a circular form. He was sure that he was going to get the attention of that new teacher from the way that he had responded to the questions. Well, at the end of the day, the teacher said, I would like to see you, Bernard, after school. Well, he was prepared for a tirade of anger. But instead, that teacher said, Bernard, you're the most creative student I've ever had. I've never known anybody that could give the answers in so many different ways. I'm proud of you. I believe you're going to be my best student. Well, that pleased Bernard. And he set out to be the best student in that school. Well, at the end of the year, when the parents came 
to see the children's work and to thank the teacher. He saw his dad go over to the table and pick up his copy book. And then he remembered those ugly pages. But to his surprise, his dad smiled and laid the book down and came over and put his arm around Bernard and said, Son, I'm proud of you. That's a neat job. Bernard wondered what happened. And he walked over and picked up the notebook, and he found that all of those ugly pages had been neatly cut out. And about that time, the teacher came and put her arm around him and said, Bernard, I cut them out because they were not worthy of you. Bernard, I am proud of you. And Bernard, we're told, accepted Jesus right there as he understood how through the death of Christ his sins were forgiven and he was justified by faith. Do you know that you have been justified? Can you raise your hand this morning and say, I know that I'm going to heaven when I die because I put my faith in Jesus? But salvation doesn't stop there. As I pointed out earlier, there is what we call sanctification. Justification takes place at one time in the past, but sanctification takes place on a continuing basis as long as we live. Sanctification is what God does in us and through us. And as you read the book of Romans, after outlining what Christ had done for Jew and Gentile, the writer comes to say in chapter 12, Therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It goes on to talk about our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and our service in the kingdom of God? Are you experiencing continuing salvation? Can you say this morning, Oh, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. Because some changes are taking place in your life. Back in uh, 2 Thessalonians, the uh, second chapter, Paul says this, God chose you to be saved. And literally, God chose you to continue to be saved. Through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit through belief in the truth, the Bible. 
And back here in Romans 5, Paul says in verse 10, How much more? Oh, there's much more to salvation than simply being forgiven and going to heaven. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through what? His life. Justification has come through His death. This continuing salvation called sanctification comes through His life. His life is manifested in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, as you look at the outline, there are two things that I have have written to describe continuing salvation. First of all, He imparts life. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born again. Through a new birth, there comes life, spiritual life. Life that comes through the Holy Spirit. And some words here to describe that uh, process in our lives. First of all, I have used the word enables. Simply signifying that as the Spirit of God works in your life and you are obedient to the Scriptures, there is the enabling ability to overcome temptation and sin. You see, the problem is sin in our lives. Yes, Jesus died for our sins, but He lives so that we would stop practicing sin. You know, it's increasingly difficult, especially for young people, to live for Christ today. Twenty million young people live in a home without a father. And in this environment of rebellion and lust, it's difficult for kids to live for Jesus. But you know, God's enabling grace, the promises of the Bible, the Holy Spirit in your life, The environment of a good church, young people, helps you to overcome and to be the person God would have you to be. Or I remember years ago down in First Baptist Winter Park, our bus ministry reached out to a poor black community, and they brought on that bus a 10-year-old kid named Tyrone. He was from a broken home, lived in poverty. He came on that bus disheveled in old ragged clothes. But Tyrone accepted Jesus 
And he lived in the environment of our church and our strong youth group. And he grew in Christ. He became president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in high school. And one night, Paul Courts. Do you remember Paul? Paul was our associate here for a time and later became the vice president of Oklahoma Baptist University and then president of Palm Beach Atlantic College. Well, Paul was speaking at First Baptist uh, Winter Park, and he met Tyrone, and he said, Tyrone, if you will come to Oklahoma Baptist University, I'll give you a scholarship. And sure enough, Tyrone, this little black, snotty-nosed, half-clothed kid from a broken home, went to Oklahoma Baptist University, and the last I heard of Tyrone, he was head of the computer department there at Oklahoma Baptist University. Yeah, it, it, it's rough, young people. But listen, stay in a good church. Stay in a strong youth program. Read your Bible. Discipline yourself to the Word of God. And even though you've been denied, perhaps as a child without a father, yet God can see you through it and enable you to be the person that you ought to be. The enabling work of God in your life. And then I use the word equip. You see, sanctification means not only are you set apart or freed from practicing sin, but you are drawn into the service and ministry of Jesus. Sanctification means He's getting you ready to do something in the ministry of the church and of the world. And so He has put in you some spiritual gifts, and the Holy Spirit, as you grow, brings to the surface those gifts, and there you are used of God. You remember old Bill Valentine, one of the worst alcoholics ever been in Suffolk? Bill would wake up in his car somewhere in the north, didn't even know how he got there. But God saved Bill Valentine. He grew in Christ, and he became one of our men's teachers. And so God, regardless of your background, can equip you to the place of service where he calls you. And then there's that word empowers, which simply means that God, through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, He can change your disposition and personality. I heard about a city guy who found a, a mountaineer who could uh, kill squirrels like nobody else. So he showed up at this... Uh, house in the mountains and 
got ready to go, and he turned to his friend and said, uh, But where's your gun? That old mountain boy said, I, I don't need no gun. Well, this city guy said, Well, how are you going to kill the squirrels? He said, Well, I'm just going to ugly them to death. So they went on down in the woods and saw a squirrel, and that old ugly guy screwed up his face, and that squirrel fell dead. That city guy said, anybody else in your family do that? He says, my mother-in-law, but she's so ugly she tears up the meat too bad. <laughs> the point is, there's some people in some churches who have never experienced the graces of the Spirit in Roman, in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, discipline. But there are a lot of folks, old Bertha Smith, an ancient missionary, you know about her. Well, she used to say, there are a lot of people going to heaven, but they're having a hell of a time of it. But not only are they having a hell of time of it, they're creating a hell in a lot of churches with their ugly spirit, their ugly disposition, trying to have their way, demanding that everybody go their way. Oh, my friend, too many churches have been wounded because people have uglied them to death. I'm talking about sanctification when the Spirit of God brings some changes in your personality and disposition. Well, down in Winter Park, there was a woman with the name of Nancy Gardner. Nancy was one of the meanest women, and every time I met her in the hall, she had some criticism. But I want you to know that God got hold of that Nancy Gardner, a school teacher, and she became one of the sweetest people in the church. One of my friends and great encouragers. Well, we've got to go on. But you get the idea how there is a process going on when you accept Jesus and his life comes into you. He gives power to change you. He gives power to witness for Him. He gives the power to encourage. And oh, how desperately we need to be encouraged in the church. Yes, the truth does cut deeply. But on the other hand, there's got to be that love and encouragement. And I've had some in every church. I remember Elizabeth Hubbard, Miss Telephone. How Elizabeth encouraged me. And so there is this 
life that the Lord Jesus, through His Spirit and through the Bible, imparts to you. But here's another word to describe this process, and that is the word immerse. You know, you take a Lipton tea bag and put it in a cup of hot water, and both change. You got a new substance. Well, folks, you take a person who gets in hot water, who faces some trying circumstances. Sometimes he brings it on himself, other times God uses it to discipline him. But a lot of folks get in hot water, and God gets their attention, and some changes begin to be made. And I'm wondering if I'm speaking this morning to some of you who sort of drifted along, you're sitting here, you give your money, but spiritually you're dead. You need a good revival. You need a stirring. You need some hot water that's going to get your attention. Has that ever happened to you? Well, I've been pastor of First Baptist Winter Park for several years. And you know, it's possible in the life of a preacher, just like you folks, I have become proud, cold, self-sufficient, methodical in the ministry. But God put me in some hot water. I took the staff to a retreat, Daytona. And as nine of us met in that conference room, the staff knew that there was some deficiencies and need in my life. Our youth man stayed up all night praying for me. The next morning when we came to that conference room, the presence of God was there. And immediately, my heart was broken. I began to weep. And for 45 minutes, I saw myself and my sin and my unworthiness and my need. And you know, God did a work in my life that day. He immersed me anew in His love and Spirit. And there's some of you who need a good revival. And it may be that God's going to have to take some hot water circumstances to get your attention, to stir you, to wake you up. Are you experiencing the continuing work of God in you and through you. You can say, I've been saved, but can you today say, I'm not what I used to be. God is making a difference in my life. 
And so, sanctification is the continuing work of the Lord Christ through His life manifested in the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God. Folks, it takes some discipline. It takes some effort on our part. It takes some humbling of our lives before God. But most churches today need a real revival of God's Spirit, and that takes place in individual lives as God brings about some changes. Are you asleep? Do you ever say amen to Thurman? Oh, I've scared some of you to death. Well, let's wrap it up. Paul said, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so there is future salvation. The Bible tells us that Christ is coming again. There's more in the Bible about His second coming than His first coming. And when Christ comes again, we're going to experience the glory of God. Just the other day, maybe you saw the Weather Channel, and they did a program on the end of the world. No religious connotation, but weathermen looked at what's happening in this world, and they referred to Yellowstone as the biggest volcano in the world, 37 miles wide underneath the surface. And they said, when that erupts, it will cover at least three-fourths of the United States. Folks, something strange is taking place in the weather patterns of the United States and the rest of the world. Well, Paul talks about the curse of sin, not only affecting us individually, but affecting the earth. He said, the whole earth is groaning. Oh, those tornadoes. The earth is groaning for the day of redemption. And it's going to come. I hope it will come in my lifetime. But whenever it comes, glory to God. Christ is going to appear. The dead in Christ are going to be raised. And we that are living are going to be caught up. And first of all, there's going to be a new earth. Revelation chapter 1 says, And I saw a new heaven, and what? And a new earth, a changed earth. I believe that the tribulation in the book of Revelation is simply God's process of changing the earth 
back to what it was in the Garden of Eden. Now, that's my opinion. You can disagree and be wrong. But listen, the day is coming, this old world is going to be changed. A new world. But also, the Bible says that there's going to be a new body. Now, you see, your soul has been saved, but your body is going to be saved also. Over there in the Romans, the 8th chapter, Paul says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. I'm now 85. My body is wearing out. This past trip to the Ukraine did something to my legs. But you know, when Jesus comes again, I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to be 33 years old. Because Jesus was 33 years old when he died and was resurrected. And the Bible says that we're going to be like him. Think of it, a new body. Your soul is saved, but your body still tempted, weak, deteriorating, moving toward death. But in that day, glory to God, we're going to have a new body. But also there's going to be a new home. It's called heaven. Our dwelling is with God. No more tears, no more night, no more sorrow, no more crying. A new, happy, perfect home. Well, when you look at the total sum of salvation in the Bible, you can understand why Paul in chapter 11, as he concludes this discourse about Jew and Gentile being saved through Christ, he concludes those 11 chapters by saying, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His riches. For from Him... And through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Do you feel like saying glory? Why don't we sincerely just raise our hands toward heaven and say, God, thank you for glory. Would you do that? Amen. Thank you for glory. Thank you for glory. But now until you get there,
There is a process called sanctification. The Lord wants you to grow. He wants you to overcome practicing sin. Yeah, you can be forgiven of the punishment of sin and go on practicing sin, but that's not salvation. He wants to bring some changes in your life. So as our music brother comes to lead us, wonder if there are not some of you who in your heart today would say, I want it to be a new day, a new beginning. I want God to warm my heart and fill me with joy. I confess my sins and I want Him to be free to work in me and to use me. I know you can pray that prayer there, but you know when you come and stand or kneel here, it just does something to someone else who needs courage. And so today, if you want to experience new life in Christ, some of you need to come and join this church, don't you? You'll never live a victorious life until you're in a good Bible fellowship church like First Baptist Suffolk. If I lived in driving distance, I'd join this church. I'd like to join it anyway. Some of you need to come today, like others have in recent weeks, and clench your life in this church. And if you're not sure of your salvation, you've been baptized, member of the church, but you don't know whether you're going to heaven or not. Why don't you come down here and let David, some of us, take the Bible and help you come to that place of assurance of salvation. All right, as we stand to sing and to pray, you do what God would have you to do. Will you stand, please, and sing along and do what God would have you to do. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. 
and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.